Hi everybody and welcome to a new launch of uh, Shaky's Football Show and syndicate with EPL Index and excited to connect with, with all your listeners as well and looking forward to some banter back and forth, good or bad, we love it all. Um, you can also find us uh, on YouTube, Spotify and iTunes by simply searching Shaky's Sports Journeys. Loads of great podcasts there with the elite of the sports sporting world with a, a wide variety of sports as well. Um, please do subscribe to our free subscription model. Be much appreciated. Look forward to seeing you over there as well. So today on this show, we chat all things Scottish football and we touch a little on the English Premier League as well. So let me introduce you to the clan. I'll start with uh, my co-host, Mr. Uh, Ryan Flanagan from Kelsey. How are you doing, son? Good evening, Shaker. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on board. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be some crack, as I mentioned this prior to the show there. Uh, we've got a Scotsman, an Irishman, an Englishman recording, and we've got uh, a, an Asian Glaswegian, which is a first for everyone, I am sure. Mix. So uh, this should be a bit of a laugh. And you, you, my friend, you're a Hibs and a, a Liverpool man. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, 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 we'll dig a bit, bit further into that. I'm interested to hear what it's like to be a Hibs fan because it must be tough at times. You know, it's you don't get trophies in the hand too often. So we'll, we'll, we'll chat a bit about that. No offence to any of the Hibs fans out there. Um, and last but by no means least, uh, the main man from the EPL Index and host of the Two Footed Podcast, I welcome Dave Hendrick to the show. Hello, mate. How you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. Dave... Big Celtic and Liverpool man, um, must be pretty happy south of the border, not so happy in the north. Yeah, I mean, it was all going swimmingly in the north, but this season's obviously been a train wreck. Uh, they've given up on the season, it's pretty clear to tell, like it's January and they've just given up. It, it, you can go and you can go and anyone else need any of our players, they can all leave. It's, yeah, it, it's even worse with your lot running away with it like if it was close I'd have been annoyed because it shouldn't have been close we had that much of an advantage two years ago when Rodgers was leaving that it should never have gotten this close but Neil Lennon proving once again that he is an abysmal football manager has managed to shrink that gap for you so all credit to Neil Lennon for the rise of Rangers Okay, well, just I'll slip that in there then. That I'm a I'm a Rangers fan, um, and also south of the border, Manchester United. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting pretty comfortable here. I'm relaxed, uh, although bad bad week at the office for Manchester United. Um, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. So yeah, you you, you mentioned a couple of things there. Uh, you're obviously very um, upset with the fact that you feel you went backwards by bringing in. Neil Lennon after Brendan Rodgers left. Mm. Um, why did you not prepare better for 10 in a row? A historic, you know, a historic year for you as a club. Why so underprepared? I think part of it is arrogance. Um, obviously getting dumped out of the, the Champions League so early, that affected the budget. COVID massively hit the club. I mean, Celtic are very reliant on match day receipts as a big part of their income because obviously the TV revenue in, in, in Scotland is not anywhere close to the scale it is in England. So match day revenue tends to matter an awful lot more. And I, I, I think, do you know, I look at Juve and they're nine in a row as well. They were, on, they were heading into this season looking for 10 and they're, not doing as badly as us, even though in the like league position wise they are, but they're not as far from top. But I think as well, like a lot of the players are there a long time. Same with Juve, and a lot of them have gone a little bit stale. They've gotten too used to winning, maybe a little bit. And there's just an arrogance about them that the level of quality they have, they don't, they don't deserve to have that arrogance. But Dave, don't you reckon that that I mean, last season. We played you off the park a couple of times and yeah. we, didn't get, we didn't get the win. So is that not a warning enough sign to say, listen, we need to, we need to get, our, get our shit together here? I had a conversation with a friend of mine about this time last year, before COVID, before any of it. And I said, Lennon needs to go in the summer, 
because they're getting far too close to us. It was clear as day that you'd close the gap 90% of the way. And that was in part credit to Gerard, to your board, good investment, kept hold of a couple of players that maybe in past years might have moved on or if they were Celtic players, definitely would have moved on. And in part, it was down to bad management, bad recruitment. I mean, Celtic's recruitment over the last few years has been abysmal. Rogers' recruitment was never good, but he hit on one or two good signings that were able to raise the level. Lennon's recruitment has been nothing short of disastrous, really. And I mean, but it was only a couple of months ago that you were singing at the top of the trees at Big Duffy's sign where that's it, we're sorted. See, see, this is the thing, right? So Liverpool needed a centre-back in the summer. And a lot of Liverpool fans were like, oh, Duffy's available from Brighton. Liverpool should sign him. And I was like, has, has anyone watched him play for 18 months? Like, he had no pace ever. He'd lost some of that. He's very immobile. He's decent on the ball, but not. you wouldn't want him carrying the ball into midfield. It was clear he'd fallen off a cliff. Now, admittedly, he I almost did, did. He almost did the other day. He didn't even have the ball and he got wiped did out. You, did oh, you see it's... that? Did you see the highlights of the Simmons game? He ran from his own half. He's like beat about, he's beat nobody actually, but he's just keep running. He's got in the box. He's lost the ball and everyone's like, what's this clown doing? I was going to say, Dave, as well, I was going to jump in a little bit there on Neil Lennon. Let's be honest, Neil Lennon is a walking shambles. He always has been. Like, mm. you know, when, when he was at Hibs, like, I remember Neil, I'll tell you a story about Neil Lennon, right? When I was a, a young lad in the West End, Easter Road, and Neil Lennon was a Celtic manager, I was sitting behind the dugout, and, and, and Celtic have scored. And he turns around to us, you know, I'm a young lad, but 13, 14, and he just does the fingers to me. Like, that just sums up him. You know, he was getting, yeah. a, bit of, he was getting a bit of abuse for the, for the crowd, don't get me wrong, but... That summed him up, you know, when he was a Hibs manager, everyone said, oh, we get behind him. I was not interested in getting behind him. Uh, you know, he's a hothead. He, he does struggle a little bit, maybe, I think, uh, psychologically, which is obviously not, it was a difficult, uh, different sort of matter. But you can see it this year. He's lost it with the press um, and it's poor. But another thing I was going to say, and it'd be interesting to get your boys taking it as well, is, you know, no fans at Celtic Park, right? No fans at Anfield. Huge. And I, and I, and I think that, you know, look at Liverpool's away record this year as well. Um, it is sort of, you know, probably better stand up a little bit. The home record, Celtic are missing that. They're, you know, these fans suck in atmosphere. They, they, they make it intimidating for clubs. Who's who's intimidated to go to Celtic Park this year? Nobody. And that's part of it as well. Is that like because it's a it's a big stadium, it's cavernous when it's empty. Like if you ever go and do the tour of Celtic Park, it feels very open and cavernous when there's no fans in it. Yeah, and, and I, I can't imagine the playing in it when it's empty is a whole bunch of fun. It must feel very strange. Very easy. Anfield's not as big, but I think the same does apply. I think Liverpool massively missed the fans. Like you mentioned, Lennon, he's won five SPL titles as manager, but all of those can be put down to the collapse of Rangers. Oh, like, you know, the first three he won, Rangers financial situation was just I mean it caused the club basically to be shuttered and, and closed down yeah um so so they're gimmies I, I wouldn't even class them because there's, <laughs> there's nobody else in the league I'm glad you said that and you didn't make didn't make me say it Dave because I I, I don't I, I think you're maybe 10 in a row wasn't meant to be because it wouldn't have been a proper 10 in a row it wouldn't have been no it, it always would have been tarnished by the fact that Rangers spent years in the lower leagues and so like the competition was was Hibs who had a couple of good teams but they were never going to win the league Hearts they're in the championship now Motherwell Dund the Dundees like uh, these clubs were never going to get close it's it's not a fair playing field when it's Celtic or Rangers versus the rest because Celtic and Rangers have say championship if you if you take them into English football they have championship level budgets Whereas the rest, it's League One and League Two level budgets. It's yeah. a massive, massive gulf. Well, boys, at, boys at Hibs and Easter Road, you, your, t- your top earners might be five grand a week if you're lucky. Yeah. 
you know, my, my mate Spoonie was on a grand a week there, fifteen hundred quid a week. It's it's night and day, mate. We can't you can't compete. And then I suppose if you look at the if you talk about budgets, it's fair enough, and, and the loss of revenues. But I suppose you know going back to Rangers, and it pains me to say this, but some of the performances by Rangers this year have been right up there with I think within the top sort of six in the Premier League. Um, some of their European performances this year have been unbelievable. Uh, I, I know that's a interesting topic but you know their record this year under Stevie G has been and it, it really does pay me to say because I hate that I hate the current puns I'm not gonna lie well just on that just on that you know Dave mentioned earlier on that you know Celtic have deteriorated and there's no doubt about it you know Lennon wasn't the man to bring them into this season and you know it's helped helped Rangers be you know, in the position they are I would add to that and just go on top of what you're saying there Flanners it Stephen Gerrard came to the club, um, and I remember this pretty well. I was my car was off the road, so I was getting a lot of taxis at that point. It was the first season that they, the first season that they signed them, so I was getting in a lot of taxis. And it's obviously you get a mixed bag, mostly Celtic or Rangers fans, but every Celtic man that I, I got in the got in the car with was just straight away just like disaster. Stephen Gerrard, you know what they signed him for? What's he going to do? You know he can't save them. And I was just sitting, always thinking to myself, you're talking about a guy who's won Champions League, you know, not even what captained them in a Champions League final when they were bloody 3-0 down at half time. He's been a leader at his club. Granted, he didn't have any managerial experience, but he knows how to win. And you can see it over the course of the seasons he's had now at Rangers. They're constantly improving. He's made average players become a lot better. To be honest, a couple of years ago, Rangers fans were abusing Tavernier. They were like, this guy's useless. Look what Steven Gerrard has made him as a player. His stock has, has risen significantly. You know, their fitness level, type of football that they're playing. You, I've watched a lot of them this season, and I agree with you, the football that they're playing is of a, of a high quality. I think they've got good faces in the club now you know they're, they're they've got good I, I like them in defense i think they've got a good decent midfield i'm always concerned about morelos up front because he's a liability and he could cost no, us at any think. point but it's not really going to matter this season now because of the the gulf of the gap but i do think a lot of credit has got to go to steven gerrard McAllister, and the team because they really have you know they've kept the other thing i've liked is they've kept away from a lot of the media kind of that you know they, they he seem, I, I quite like the way he handles it. He doesn't he, doesn't he make too much noise. He, he just wants to keep concentrating on game by game. Whereas I think Neil Lennon from years and years ago, for instance, when he's doing well, oh, he's right. He, he, can, get, he can get quite far ahead of himself. But when the wheels have come off, he just he's, he's, he's out of his depth. I feel sorry for him as well, actually, because the board should have done something about this. It shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been left to him to walk. You know, I, I appreciate his kind of... His, you know, he's trying to, you know, I don't walk away, but somebody else should have, you know, helped him along rather than just leaving yeah, him here. To he drink. should have got the push. He should have got the push. There's no question. When Rogers left, he, he was fine to bring in to the end of the season. You know, he, he's been there. He knows the job. He'll get you through the end of the season. But there should have been a plan. You talk about Gerard, And I think it's fair to say that in the first season he was there, it was a little underwhelming. The style of football was atrocious. He threw players under the bus fairly regularly. He got snarky with the media. He didn't want any of the blame. He has learned massively. He, he has come along in leaps and bounds, as is the style of play. If you look at the average position of a Rangers player during a game and the average position of a Liverpool player during the game, they're very, very similar. If you look at the style of play, the patterns of play, they're very, very similar. So he is picking and choosing who to learn from. He's taken a lot from Klopp, just, for, I'd imagine, from watching and from that connection to Liverpool. You can see hints of what he learned under Rodgers. In that first season, it was all very Hodgson-esque, which wasn't good. But he, he's definitely done a much better job at, at kind of knowing when to speak and what to say. With Lennon, if things are going good, Neil Lennon wants to be centre of attention. It's all about me. If things are going badly, nothing to do with me. I wasn't even there, Your Honour. 
I think um, I listened to a, a podcast. I won't mention it. You know, uh, a competitive podcast. I'm sure uh, out there by Jake Humphreys and Stephen Gerrard. I thought was incredible on it. I think his mindset was different to last year. He talked about having this all-in attitude, and the players must buy into to this, and that's a, a trait that he's looking for. And I, I thought it was phenomenal. And as any sportsman, you know, to be able to play with someone because 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 you're a good player doesn't mean you're going to be a good manager. And I think he had that sort of burden, didn't he? Have it hanging over him a little bit mm. there. And what a big move that is. Like, you know, I remember seeing my mate, do you imagine taking the Rangers job as your first proper job in football? That is, you know, they're the hardest fans to keep happy. If they're winning, they're happy days, Rangers fans. But if they're if they're getting beat, geez, your head's on a spit. So, you know, I, I was really impressed with him, I have to admit. I've impressed with his media, I've been impressed with his tactics, I've been impressed with the results. And I thought that, yeah, a podcast I listened to him and he was he was really superb. Are you, a I remember, secret, are you a secret Rangers fan now? Uh, no, no, no. I have to admit, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the old firm teams. Um, I probably used to lean towards Celtic. Um, I don't lean towards any. But this year, I have to admit, I, um, I, I'm looking forward to... to you're on Stevie you're bandwagon, aren't you? You're loving no, Just at the moment, mate, I think he's. I think they're playing good football. Uh, I don't like Neil Lennon. I, I think the, you know, there's too much moaning going on. And I have to admit, Gerard's got someone good going there. Uh, and it pains me to say it, but yeah, I, I do hope they win the league now. But like, if you look at Rangers fans, when, when Walter Smith was there and they were winning everything, if they lost the game, they'd get booed off the pitch. They could be 15 points clear in the league. Exactly. They lose, you know, so it is, I, I thought it was a mistake to take that job. Genuinely. I thought that is too big of a job for him. That is one of the, I mean, outside the big six in England, it, it and Celtic are probably the biggest jobs in Britain. And I thought it was too big. And if you look at Lampard going to Chelsea so early in his career, even having had the year at Derby, that proved too big for him. Dave, do you La- reckon do you reckon do you reckon that no crowd at Ibrox has helped, Gerard? I think so. I think it's massively helped Celtic or helped Rangers because Remember, Rangers are the, are, the, are the underdog team, but they're the team with a lot of expectation because it's year three for Stevie. They spent a lot of money in the summer. They spent a lot of time crying at the end of last season when things got ended that they were going to win the league, even though you weren't going to win the league. <laughs> so, like, they did sort of make a rod for their own back that they were, you know, real real contenders this season. And I think the lack of fans has helped. And it will be, Rangers is going to be one of the most interesting clubs to watch next season if and when fans are back, and see if these players, people like Tavanier, who, like you said, was getting hounded a couple of years ago, how he reacts and how the fans react to him. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's, all, uh, it's all very interesting. I mean, this season, you know, it, it's done. There's, um, there's, there's, no, there's, no coming, there's no coming back now. I think it's safe to say that that is, you know, the, this Celtic losing. Um, how do you feel watching that the other night, getting beat by uh, by St Mirren? I turned it off. I turned it off. I have to admit, I I've gotten I've gotten about as much as I can with Lennon, but about fifteen minutes into the second half, there was just there's no fight in the team. Like, like there's no urgency. They're a mile behind. And yet they don't like they're playing as if they're 10 points clear still. It's almost like they don't take Rangers seriously. And whether that's Lennon's mentality, which I think is possible, or what it is, I don't know. But I turned it off. 60 minutes in, I was like, you know what? They're not going to come back. If they do, they might get one. They're not going to get two. And I can't be arsed. They've wasted enough time watching bad Celtic games this year. Dave, what about Scott Brown? Do you reckon it's time for him? Uh, you know, is he, he more, I know he's been a great uh, stalwart over the years, but is that him sort of hanging up his boots now? He reckon if they has get he beaten, been, though? has he been? He's overrated. Ah, he has. If he, if he, if he had played in the team, at, like you're saying, if he played in a league that Rangers were in it more often, it was it was a two 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 team race. I think he would have got. He wouldn't have been. He played again. He won some weak titles as well. Well, he, he would have had he would have had a lot more red cards if Rangers were in the league <laughs> uh, each year. But no, I, th- I think yeah. Well, that's that's a, he like I, I the two of them both need to be just locked in a room and allowed to pummel each other into into the ground until they sort things out. But like I, I think Brown, 
like 17, 18 was probably the last good Scott Brown season. And he's been clinging on ever since he's been, he has been a great, a great servant. He's been a good leader. I think he's a better captain than he's ever been as a player. And I do think he was a good player, uh, particularly back when he was at Hibs. I thought, like, I, I thought he was actually going to be more of a, a creative attack minded player when I saw him kind of box come through at Hibs. Yeah, he was, he was yeah, because he could, he could ping a pass and he had a little bit of cheek to him. Yeah. And he came to Celtic and that, that was there for the first couple of years. And then he just became like, maybe it was the injuries. Cause he had, he had like three or four years in a row where he missed a bunch of games through injuries. And maybe that slowed him and took a bit of the spark, but he seemed to just become far too interested in like the gnarl and the fight and the scrap. Dave, He's far better than Barry Ferguson, though, is Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Barry Ferguson, oh, mediocrity. Mate. Absolute mediocrity. That, Barry can make it down south. That, that, is not even, that is not even up for discussion, lads. Barry Ferguson, Scott Brown. I just put strictly footballers. If you want to talk leadership, maybe you could come at that, could come into play a little bit more. But as, as head to head football playing talents, there's a big difference between those two. Yeah, Scott oh, Brown wipes the floor with him. Um, <laughs> Barry Ferguson came to England, came down to England three times, flopped each time, had to go back up and finish off his career with in, Clyde in, or whoever it was. In his defence, at least he tried it. And I think for me, yeah, that's, fair play. that's the only thing about Scott Did Brown. you ever watch him? Did you ever watch him play Lotus Mateus off the park? But like you say that, I saw Lucas Slava play Yaya Toure off the park once. <laughs> Lucas Leiva isn't qualified to make Yaya Toure a sandwich, let alone <laughs> play football against them. So, like, a one-off game is nothing. I, I once saw Victor Wanyama in a Champions League game take Xavi and put him in one pocket, Iniesta and put him in the other pocket, and then pick Sergio uh, Busquets up and put him over his shoulder and then dominate the rest of the game. Like, one-off games in the Champions League and in European football, I don't put too much stock into them. Because if we were, if we did... Like Celtic have wins over Barca, Juve, massive clubs. If you put them in the same league as them, they'd get relegated. Yeah. The victory at um, Parkhead um, when they beat Barca, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen very often. But what what a night! What a night that was. I'd say that was a great night for your lot, though. I'd say as we're all dancing in the streets beforehand. Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not into. The bigotry or or any of that kind of stuff. I admire good good football, good sport. Um, and that night, I have to say, you had to take your hat off to Celtic. Mm-hmm. There was there was you know there's been there's been a good few nights in recent times. Obviously, with Rangers again being out of the equation, Celtic were always always going to be the team that made the Champions League up here. In you Scotland. know what? It's it's a shame because because of of that and obviously the financial problems, people forget some of the great European nights that Rangers had, like, back in the 90s. Like, that great run of the Champions League that you had. And, like, how special some of those nights with the likes of Laudrup and Gaza oh, and, wow. and, and the, the German hammer at left-back bombing on and taking shots from literally anywhere. Like, there's always been good nights. When, when Rangers and Celtic are good and they go into Europe and, and the stadiums are absolutely bouncing, Bigger, bigger, better teams come in and they're just terrified. Like, in fairness, if 60,000 Glaswegians surround you in any circumstance, you'd be terrified. But if you're trying to beat their team... <laughs> hey, you'd, be, you'd be knocked out with the smell of Buckfast. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, look, like, Celtic and Rangers, on, on the European nights, like, massive results, big clubs. And, and, and they've, they've, you know, they've stocked up the English Premier League for some time now. You know, you can go through players over the years and, OK, the standard in Scottish football is absolutely atrocious at the best of time. And, you know, I'm shaky. Thanks so much for bringing me on to talk about Scottish football. It's going to be a right good laugh every week. Um, but, hey, listen, but again, and, and my other point to that is, you know, I'm a young lad growing up and, and going to Easter Road and, a, you know, with my dad week on, week out. And, you know, you love it. That's what it's all about. You, you know, it doesn't matter how bad the football is. You, you, that's why you get into sport. And, 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 and that's, you know, I loved that with my dad. And, you know, I was, I was brought up, you know, going to Easter Road on a weekly basis. And they're, aye, the football's crap. But, it's your team, and that's why you buy into it. And I think people always say Scottish football is crap, but at the end of the day, when you look at Celtic and Rangers, you know these guys sometimes can compete with the, with the boys in England, but maybe not all the time. Maybe just a one-off occasion when you've got that home crowd as well. And not just that, but like, 
like I growing up, Brian Lauder was one of my favorite players, and like right. he, he was incredible for Rangers. The best centre back probably in the world now is Van Dyke. He came to prominence with Celtic. Wanyama was brilliant for for Southampton Arteta. and then Spurs. Arteta for Arteta's years. another one. Yeah. Like there's been Gattuso, you know some, you know players. loads like uh, Stilian Petrov. There's been loads and loads of really good players. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, you have to. Would I be right in saying no matter what we're watching these days? I know the old saying you don't like to say. I mean, Flanders, we don't like to say it to the youth and our sport that you know it was different in my time and blah blah blah. But you know, they've touched on the old firm there and, and players of the past. I mean, Celtic, Luka Mravchik, Henrik Larsson, uh, Pierre Van Hooydonk. Mm. You know, you compare that. You compare that to what we watch now. Rangers, you mentioned. Good few players there. You could you could go on. Arthur Russell Latape. Russell Latape. Get that in there. Have you listen? Russell was a Russell was a good player. You know he was he was he was class at Hibs. That's when he made his that's when he made his name. But do you miss those days? I certainly miss. I certainly miss watching Old Firm um, and the Standard back then. They were just the, we we easily could have competed in the Premier League in, in those days. I think. Yeah, I think back then, for sure, Rangers and Celtic could have competed. Rangers probably more so, especially in that early part of the 90s. But, I mean, we saw what it took for them to compete and what, what would come later was financial ruin. And for mm-hmm. Celtic, never quite got that, that far. But they also have Dermot Desmond, who's an Irish billionaire, propping them up and shoveling money into the, the coffers whenever it gets needed. So... Yeah, if they got into the, I think if they went into the championship, it, my view on it has always been take Rangers and Celtic, put them in the championship and let them acclimatize to English football. And then they will eventually get into the Premier League. It might take two or three years, but they'll get there because there'll be a huge draw. They'll have more money than they do currently. And once they're in the Premier League, then all bets are off. They're going to be phenomenal. Celtic, globally, every. Irish person in the world, every person who's ever claimed to have an Irish granny will buy a Celtic hat or something. Rangers probably don't have that kind of scope, but they're still massive. Like they're still a massive club. I think if they I think they'd need to work their way into the Premier League rather than be dumped in, because I think they'd probably get relegated first season. I think the the gulf would be too much. But I also think if you took them out, while it would take a lot of eyeballs off Scottish football, it could be really good for the development of the league as a whole not to have these two dominant teams. Like, if Hibs and Hearts and Aberdeen and Motherwell and the Dundee clubs could all play on an even playing field, I do think you'd see more from Scottish football. I think you'd see more development of young Scottish players as well. But do you not think you would just lose all sponsorship interest and, and any investment? That see, that, that's that's the double-edged sword. Like, do you I want a competitive be, league? Sky Sports. I can't see Sky Sports putting out Scottish football without Rangers and Celtic in it, I really can't. No. What no, and fan, that's the problem. Would, what sort of fan would like to go down on a Monday night or Tuesday night to probably watch them play Reading in the Championship? Or, you know, let's be honest, how many See, that's fans the are thing. for that? That's, that's why it's not. It's never really been feasible mm-hmm. for Rangers and Celtic to join the English. Because like, like you say, if, if Celtic are playing Brighton, let's say they have to play Brighton on a Monday night game. Like... No Rangers or no Celtic fan is, is going to be able to go to that game. Like, you've got work, you've got the travel, the expense of it. No, it's no, just... no. <laughs> <laughs> Your gyro's not getting you a Brighton on the Monday but that's night. the thing. Like, if you started cycling on, like, a Thursday got, or something... You've got to get a bucket for the way down. That's half the gyro for the week as well. Do you know, but... Yeah, no, it's, it's not feasible. I think it ranges in Celtic. For the good of Scottish football in terms of keeping it alive... But what I will say is maybe there needs to be some sort of revenue sharing scheme set up where, like, if you look at, say, like, Major League Baseball, like, clubs like the Yankees and the LA Dodgers, they pay substantial amounts of money back into the main pot to help support the teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, who just don't have any money, don't make enough money to survive each year. Maybe if Celtic and Rangers were, if they put in, say, if they put in, a salary cap or something, a wage cap. And if you spend over it, you have to give back a certain percentage of it. I think Celtic and Rangers would happily spend over it, 
But then if they were fined, you know, one-tenth or one-fifth of what they spent over, and that went back into the pool and was then spread among the rest of the club, something like that might help. But Dave, you say that, right? But year upon year, Rangers and Celtic are not interested in anyone else challenging. No. They come in, they poach Hibs players, Rangers and Celtic, they've done it for the last 15 to 20 years. If anyone gets any half-decent players to score against the clubs, yeah. they always buy them. Happens all the time. It's it's, it's a shambles. That's, yeah, that's they a, should be. It, that, it's not that, a level playing field. That, that is that that is a big issue. That is a big issue. Anyone that becomes money talks, they get taken um, to the old, and then you know that's why it's called a pub league. You know when you go down south, they say to you, oh, who, do you, do you follow that pub league?" And you know that is the reason because when you've only got two teams competing, who you know it's. It's going to struggle to have... I always look at Johnny Hayes, right? Johnny Hayes had that really good season at Aberdeen. He'd been there, what, four or five years. And he has that one really good season and he plays really well against Celtic a couple of times. And he gets signed. So Celtic buy him. And, like, he's barely even on the bench some weeks. They didn't buy him to play him because they thought he'd improve them. They they bought him just to stop Aberdeen having a good player. Didn't they buy him for his looks anyway? That's what she did. Didn't want him to be on the front <laughs> cover of the magazine every He's week? He's an unfortunate man. He's an unfortunate... But the, shit, the, the shitty thing for him was, like, he'd just broken into the Republic of Ireland squad as well and was, you know, looking like... What was he, 28, 29? Looking like he... Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was just like, it was. it's, it's mean-spirited. It's not... It's, you know, it, every time there's a good young player appears in Scotland... Like Rangers and Celtic have scouts basically moving next to their mum and dad, like to, to harass them until they come and play. Like it's just not right. It's not all. Backhand is left, right, and centre. <laughs> but like they buy them for pennies rather than letting the club oh. develop them a bit more. So like, say if Hib- if Hibs have a good young player who breaks into the team at eighteen, before they turn nineteen, they're gone to Rangers or Celtic for half a million. Whereas if you could keep them till like they were 21, 22, you might get four or five million for them. John and McGinn. it just, it screws the league up. John McGinn's like, oh, Celtic, whoa, oh, take him off your hands for two million. Ah, he's worth that, isn't he? Shut up. He's flipping worth t- 20 million. Look at him now. I think we sold him for five. Typical Hibs being useless again at negotiation. It's uh, we've got Years and years we've seen it. Scott Brown, Kevin Thompson, Kenny Miller, you know, all these lads coming up through the ranks. They just got stolen for days. It's just Griffiths mm. went as well. It's... That must, be, that must be that must be frustrating as as a, as a Hibs fan. You know, you, whether you accept that you're going to, you're, you're never you're never in contention to win the league. Um, it must still be frustrating. It must be. I mean, you're you're building something. You're seeing a player doing really good for the club, and you get the news that he's he's, I think you, he's away to Glasgow. I think that, you, that must be must be very frustrating. I think you forget, um, Shaky, it, it's, it's, it's a business, isn't it? At the same time, when you're young, grown up, and you, you want to see the best players stay. And, but then again, you, you understand that these lads will get paid better wages. And, and unfortunately, that is just the name of the game. So it's never going to be a competitive playing field in Scotland. But in 2017, when we pumped Rangers at, at Hamden Park, it was the best day of my life as a sporting fan. Uh, Tony Stokes with the first bang, with another header, and then the rest is history. So... You know, that, that day will live in my memory. I don't need to win leagues, mate. When we beat you lot at Hamden, that's enough for me. Fair enough. Listen, fair, fair, you should be proud. That was after how many years? Yeah, 100 and odd. <laughs> 100 odd. Well, but at least you got to live it in your lifetime. Um, I mean, it must have been a, a big party that day. But it's, uh, it's that, you know, that, that, that takes a lot of loyalty. And, you know, the, the, the fans of Hibs um, are clearly, uh, I mean, we put a podcast out with, your pal, like you were saying, uh, David Witherspoon and the, and the Hibs fans, he's not at Hibs anymore, but they gave him a lot of love and there was a lot of, you know, warmth towards him. It shows that there's a really good, dedicated fan base there. Um, it just comes down to the money. Big, big club, mate. Big, big club, mate. 100,000 fans lined the streets the day after he won that Scottish Cup. David Witherspoon was actually in the, the stand with me that day and I had about 10 bottles of Corona before the game. I was away with it. But um, I remember when Stokesy scored the, the first um, and the, the Rangers fans had all the flares off at the bottom end. He just came through the smoke and my heart was pounding. I was Phew. It was some day, the next day and the next again day. Uh, I didn't make work on the Monday, but that's what football's all about. You know, the, the Leith was absolutely packed with fans. It was, it was incredible. And that's why 
sport and sport brings you together, doesn't it? It's insane. Um, but yeah, it, it has its up and, and I feel sorry for our fans at the moment not being able to to go and, and watch them. Uh, I don't know how Hibs are sitting fourth in the league, if I'm being honest. Again, this year, two heartaches, you know, beat by Hearts in the, in, in the semi-final and then beat again by St. Johnson, my pal, 3-0. Hibs, are, they, you know, they've been flattered by their league position, if I can say that. But we're keeping Kevin Nisbet at breaking news. I see that they've turned down the offer for, for Birmingham. So, um, you know, there's some live uh, news for you as we speak. Well, look, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been good to, to chat over over the old Scottish Scottish Premier League, lots of things interesting, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll be touching on it again, touching on it again moving forward in, uh, in future shows. But let's um, let's take a little wander over down the road um, to the south of the country in the, in England, and let's chat about what's going on in the Premier League. It's been an interesting week. Um, Manchester United went into the week probably feeling pretty good about things um, and now I would say as a, as a Man U fan it's a bad week you know losing to, to Sheffield United didn't see that coming but it can ha- it's football it, 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 it's it the calm down though it's because you celebrated winning the league when you knocked us out of the FA Cup and, and behave like you were Billy Big Time again <laughs> and then Sheffield United rock up five points from 20 games and Beat you at your own ground. It, you, you boys should have a nosebleed. You're sitting on 41 <laughs> points. Yeah. Ollie's reached the relegation threshold now, so he's kept them up. So that Ollie's done his job. He can lose the rest of the way. Listen, it could still all change around. You know what it's like in football. Next week can bring something something new. You're obviously sitting, sitting both of you are sitting quite, quite, quite happy and content with uh, a good win against West Ham yesterday. I personally thought you might have banana skinned it, but um, your man Mo Salah delivered and uh, and you got you got the win. How do you how do you see this panning out? How are you how are you feeling? You still think you're in contention? I think the league will be tough. Um City look unbelievable at the minute. Like they're not blowing teams away, but they're dominating games in a fashion that it, it's very hard to see them lose in many games. It, it's similar to watching when United were great under Ferguson, like the, the great United team, not the team towards the end that won a couple of scabby league titles because nobody else was very good. The great United team, like they just go out, nothing had happened in the game. And all of a sudden United would be tuning it up and you'd be like, oh, oh, well, that's that game over. And then Roy Keane and Paul Scholes just control the game the rest of the way. That's what City looked like at the minute. Yeah, they're they're um they seem a step seem a step ahead. What about the the battle for for second place? You'd have to make us favourites. You I didn't think you'd have to at this point. You, you certainly both didn't rush at once. There is that is that said with you, you I thought I'd let I thought I'd let the expert in. It does it all week, every week, mate. To be honest, <laughs> um, I, I, I think uh, I think City are going to be hard to beat. Let's be honest. I think what are they twelve or thirteen unbeaten now? Dave will be watching them a lot more than me. Um, you know they, they were hammering teams, but they're getting the job done. Um, I think Liverpool, as I, as I mentioned earlier in the week, I think the confidence was absolutely shattered. Um, and you can tell when a team. When, when there's no confidence in the team, it makes a massive difference. So the, the boys' heads were down, but to be fair, they've come through the face of adversity and I thought it was absolutely liquid yesterday, um, the, the way they played. And Mo Salah, your little dancer, he was unreal, wasn't he? Um, it's good to have him back. So I think, I think um, yeah, push for probably push for second. I think United will end up finishing sixth. Um, I think I think Tottenham, West Ham, Leicester, and Lewis, they'll all be in front of them. I think I think I'll capitulate. All these at the wheel, it's going down. It's, it's, it's off the cliff soon. <laughs> I I do think there's a fair chance they finish United finish outside the top four, but it will require like because look at last year. Last year Spurs fell off a cliff, and then Leicester should have been top three and threw it away. They had a higher chance of finishing third than finishing fifth. They had like a ninety eight point nine percent chance of finishing in the top four when football came back after the break and somehow finished outside the top four. And United kind of snuck their way in with Chelsea. Chelsea this season, obviously, Frank is gone. I don't think Tuchel will get them into the top four. So that's one out for United. Arsenal, obviously, a bit of a mess. 
Mourinho doesn't seem to know what he's doing at the minute. So maybe they're out of it. So I think it could come down to like Everton, Leicester and United, two from that three. Dave, you just talked about Mourinho driving that bus off the cliff last year. He's went mm. down the same road again and chucked it off the same the same exit. <laughs> My hope is that he gets sacked and maybe his sacking lines up with Lennon's sacking. Because in Scotland, he'll do all right. Like, beat Rangers three out of four and you'll win the league. That's basically what it is. <laughs> Mourinho, he's passed it. He's a dinosaur. I have to disagree with you, chaps, on, the, on your prediction front there. I think... Um, I think that was a slip up, bad week. Um, at Old Trafford, well, you've got one. You've got one player carrying you. Like Bruno has carried you all yeah, season. If you, if you look at United's yeah, results this season, they've won games by playing terribly. He pops up, goal assist, United win. Like Newcastle away, you were garbage for seventy minutes. Somehow won the game four one. Southampton battered you for half the game. You somehow came back and won it three two because of him. West Ham battered in the first half. You came back and won that game. Uh, Brighton absolutely played you off the pitch early in the season. They hit the post like five times and you got that scabby penalty at the end after the final whistle had gone and we won't say any more about it and got a win there. Bruno's brilliant. And Br- United this season with Bruno reminds me of Liverpool in 13-14 with Suarez, where when he plays well, you will win the game. When he doesn't, and Bruno looks tired now, and that's my concern is he's looking tired and you've, he's been tired a little while. You look at the Burnley game and the Fulham game when Pogba pops up and wins the games with a late goal against Burnley and an absolute worldie against Fulham. If he's not doing that and Rashford's out of form and Martial just looks completely different to last year, whether he's injured or not, I don't know. But if the other lads aren't stepping up to win you the game and he's out of form, I don't know that there's enough cohesiveness, enough coaching, enough of a tactical game plan to win games because I Ollie just looks like the type of fella who gets the boys in the dressing room and says, right, lads, go out and run around for a bit. He doesn't seem to do anything during the game. Like, just stands there looking completely aimless. I think I think Big Hasselhootie, whatever his name is, Big Ralphie, will come in tomorrow tomorrow night, isn't it? And uh, Old Trafford, and I think they might be sneak a wee result. I think I think United have not been beaten or something. I think bloody was it something like seven past nine games or something. But Southampton have been all right this year, and um, they could give them a game tomorrow night. No fans at Old Trafford, and as you say, Big Ollie will be directing the bus down down the down that street and this street. But there's no substance to the, the movement of the bus. No. It's just literally a bus going around in circles. You, you know that gif where the fella is trying to reverse the little machine in the tight hallway and he gets stuck and he just keeps going back and forth and back? That is basically Ollie at the wheel. Completely lost, no idea of what he's meant to be doing, only in the job because Ferguson said to give him the job. Because Ferguson, like, let's be fair, Ferguson doesn't want United doing well. He wants them to be terrible for decades so people go... Ferguson was even better than we thought. Wasn't even better than we thought. It's all about the ego with Fergie. That's well, why I got Moisey in. Just coming in here, I'm, I'm going to come in and, and and I'm going to defend. Defend your I'm, man. Defend your boss. Here's what, here's, here's what I'm going to say on it. So Klopp has been at Liverpool. For that his fifth season now? Yes. Right. So Klopp's been at Liverpool five seasons. Um... Yeah, you got a Champions League. That'll be your. That's definitely your your bragging right. And you won the Premier League once. Um, all he got, all he's been now. This is third season. Am I right in saying? Second full season, I think. Second full season. There's definitely been progression in the in the football Manchester United have played. If you, I mean, watching Manchester United since Sir Alex has gone, tried Moyes. Bend them straight away. Didn't even give the guy. Didn't, didn't even give the guy much. Six months. Um, <laughs> where's, where's Where's Moyes from? Is he from Spain or something, mate? It's David Moyes. No Moyes. Moyes. You know, I. That's a, I, I what, that was his name when he went to Real Sociedad. That was his name when he went. I. He. Um, he. 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 He got bent straight away. They. They tried Van Hal. They tried Mourinho. Two big, big name managers. I mean, you would expect. You know, Van Hal at Ajax was incredible. Mourinho and what he did and uh, did with Chelsea, unbelievable. So you know, if two, if, you, if anyone was going to deliver, you would expect one of them two to do it. And then you have Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer come in. You know, the super sub of the nineties, a guy who 
you know, as Manchester United through and through. He's he's been he's been he's you know he's taken a lot of taken a lot of stick. You know, people have questioned him, but you would take where Manchester United, where, where, the, where the league standings are at the moment. I would have taken it being sitting where Manchester United are sitting. Can they? Interesting what you said, Dave, about you know there's there's players are getting tired and can they see this see the season out? Time will tell. But I do think he's got to get some some credit for he's clearly doing something all right behind the doors. Yes. While the game is going on, he doesn't look like a very active manager. I'll give you that. But on the training ground, um, I think he's. I think he must be doing something right, and he because he has brought some players, you know, on who have improved. Don't get me wrong, Martial and um, Rashford were were bad, really bad this week. I mean, all the get, I just they just weren't at the races. They... Martial's only got two goals this year. Yeah, he's like he's, he's just it's so strange because he was so good last year. He's brilliant last year. He was so he was he was he was so good and I was excited. It's to, a man management show is doing that well with him this year, right? Eh? It's brilliant. <laughs> I, I thought I, thought, I didn't actually realise he's only two goals, man. That 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 is disappointing. But I had high hopes and I do still think these two boys are together could be a could be a strong force, but I it's um I, I think Greenwood is is the real gem there. I, I think that kid is Super special. He's so gifted. If they can find a way to have to play a front two with Martial and Rashford and Greenwood and rotate, so two of them, two of them are always on the pitch. I think there's so much to build from just with those two. The problem is, though, like they've spent an awful lot of money since Fergie left, and they've spent a lot of it badly. Like we could argue over Pogba, but. The fact of the matter is they spent 89 million on him and he hasn't performed to the level he was expected. He's had spells where he just looks like that's the best midfielder in the world. Like there's literally games you'll watch Pogba and go, that guy is the best midfield player in the world. And then there's more games where you look at him and go, did that guy win a raffle to play today? Is he someone's cousin? Were they short of numbers? You know, on 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 Pogba, he's got to be the most frustrating footballer I've ever bloody watched, man. Mm. He he for the money and for what he brings to the table. Um, I I don't think he's been been good enough at United at all. But it's interesting. You see him; he's a World Cup winner. You know, he's a. He, but look at that French team he was playing in. Look around him. You know, I think when he's in a team that is not very good. He's, he drops to their level, drops and when he's in a good level. team, he, he moves up to their level. Like you were talking about Fernandez, you were saying he he's he'll make things happen. He'll he, when they were losing games that they looked like they were going. To, he he stepped up. Pogba doesn't give you that, and that's no. that, that's really really shaky. Shaky, look at Gerard. Gerard was in a crap team for years, and he stood up all the time. There's a difference there, isn't he? Like Pogba, come on. Steven Gerard, unbelievable fight. You know, would never never die attitude. You know, gives his gives his soul for the shirt. Let's be honest, Pogba doesn't do that for United. I watch Pogba play, and I've watched him since he was at Juve, and I always think like he, he's comfortable being one of the best players on the pitch. As long as he's one of the best players on the pitch, he's happy. So if he's in, if he's in the Juve team, and they were great at the time, they had like Pirlo and Vidal and all those guys. He played at their level, was one of the best players, and looked brilliant. Same thing with France and Mbappe and all these amazing players. So he plays at their level and he looks great. He goes to United and when they're playing well, he's always one of the better players. And when they're playing badly, he's always one of the worst players because he just kind of fits in with those around him. And like, look, as a Liverpool fan and as a Celtic fan, I I love to laugh at United and laugh at Rangers the same way you guys love to laugh at us when we have a bit of misfortune. But I still will always believe that the Scottish Premier League and the English Premier League are always better when Celtic and Rangers are both really strong and when Liverpool and United are both really strong. So yeah, they're the two biggest clubs in the Premier League. They're the ones that drive most of the eyeballs. You just need to look at the viewing numbers for when they play each other. And when United are strong, it's, it's good for the Premier League. So I want United to be strong. I want them finishing second every year and us finishing first. And like, strangely, I'd like Everton to finish top four as well, but that's just, I think, out of pity more than anything. But like, when you when you spend 89 million on Pogba, I want him to do well. 
when you spend 85 million on Harry Maguire, I want investigations launched into the money laundering because there's no logical reason you'd look at him and think that's an 80 million pound centre back. Van Dijk cost 75 million. Oof. He's five times the defender and he was cheaper. Yeah. That, that, you know, and that. I think that that's United's problem is United's biggest problem isn't Dolly, it's Ed Woodward because mm-hmm. he just doesn't know what he's doing. No, he's I, great at the business side. Mental, mental. That's that 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 the money and signing. I mean, that's. I think they've also set him up to just get abused now because he's he's it's because of the money that has been paid from. Sometimes it sometimes it's sometimes the money break ruins it. Look at look at um, Torres. They look at the money that got paid for him, and it seemed to be the downfall of him. But he was a striker, Harry Maguire. He's he's a he's he had a decent World Cup. And his, his stock obviously you know rose up, but not enough to not enough to go to to get that kind of money. And I Torres, think Torres is world class, mate. He was unbelievable. That's what I mean. Club. That's what I mean. Uh, he's, 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 he's a goal scorer. Make a difference. Maguire, big, but yeah. this is this money was just for yeah. There's something fishy going on there. Something some uh, money laundering was mentioned. Who knows what was it, what, what's going on there? But listen, chaps. I think that um, we, we, we've covered and we've had a good in-depth chat and given the hopefully given the listeners an idea of uh, what our discussions are going to be like moving forward. Hopefully the bragging rights will sit with me um, and come next chat at Manchester United will have bounced back from a bad week. Um, Rangers will still be dominating the Scottish Premier League um, and the trophies will be, you know, will be will certainly be coming to, to Rangers and hopefully soon... To, to Manchester United but listen it's been a, a pleasure to chat with you guys I think um, you give a, a great insight into Scottish football um, and I think uh, the rivalry of Liverpool and Manchester United will be good that we continue that on this uh, on this podcast as ever uh, please do give us a give us a follow um, Dave has a, tell us a little bit more before we go about your, your two-footed podcast yeah so it's just uh, every day at 4pm uh, covering the entire Premier League. It's just me for an hour. Um, as the lads have probably realised, I, I I talk a lot. So um, yeah, it's just me emptying the thoughts in my head for an hour every day, and it, it comes out at four pm. Oh well, let's uh, please please do check that. I'll certainly be having a having a listen to upskill on uh, on knowledge, um, because you you know you've got you've got a wealth of knowledge and and flanners. Uh, you can we can find you on uh, on Twitter as well. Your your username. Don't have a clue, mate. Flanners underscore man or something. It doesn't matter, mate. I'm just here for the the short run and a bit of banter. You'll find them. You'll find them. You'll be tagged on. You'll be tagged on something if you take if you want to if you want to check them out. Um, but thanks very much, chaps. Um, and I'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Take care.